Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Good morning. Calls for change. The dramatic testimony expected today on Capitol Hill. Shooting survivors set to speak, including the 10-year-old Uvalde girl who covered herself in blood to hide from the gunman. And Uvalde native Matthew McConaughey comes to the White House with an impassioned plea and heartbreaking stories of the carnage. These are the same green converse on her feet that turned out to be the only clear evidence that could identify her at the shooting. Just ahead, the frenzied negotiations in Washington. What's in, what's out? We're live with the latest. Off the charts, gas prices climbed to a new all-time record overnight. This morning, which states and which drivers are being hit the hardest and how soaring fuel prices will have you paying even more for other everyday items. Breaking overnight, sending a message. Voters in San Francisco oust the city's progressive district attorney under fire for rising crime. They were given an opportunity to voice their frustration and their outrage, and they took that opportunity. Straight ahead, what it means for Democrats in key races nationwide. In the spotlight, Johnny Depp's legal team speaking out for the first time since that victory in a trial that captivated people worldwide. Their reaction to the verdict and what's next for him in a live conversation. Those stories plus unprecedented. Every patient in a groundbreaking cancer drug trial sees their tumors vanish, a first in the history of cancer research. The unheard of results offering new hope to millions. And Ice Age, a major change coming to figure skating aimed at protecting the physical and mental health of athletes. What it means for the future of the Winter Olympics and its most popular sport today, Wednesday, June 8, 2022. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Oda Cutby. From Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza, and good morning, everybody. Welcome to you today, Wednesday morning, 7 o'clock on the West Coast. And we want to get right to it. A busy day underway already on Capitol Hill, focused on gun violence. Yeah, as we speak, a hearing is just beginning where the parents of victims and survivors of the mass shootings in Buffalo and Uvalde will testify. Among them, Mia Cerillo, the broad elementary fourth grader who covered herself in blood and pretended to be dead in order to survive. Also today, the House is expected to vote on two bills that, if passed, could raise the legal age to buy a semi-automatic rifle from 18 to 21 and establish a federal red flag law. Uh, and in the Senate, bipartisan talks led by Republican John Cornyn of Texas and Democrat Chris Murphy are underway. Senator Murphy saying the two sides could come to an agreement by the end of this week. But it was not a politician leading the charge in Washington yesterday. It was actor and Uvalde native Matthew McConaughey. He made a surprise appearance in the White House briefing room, eulogizing those killed in an emotional address that included displaying a pair of green high tops, the only identifying marker for one of the victims. We've got two reports. Let's start with NBC national correspondent Gabe Gutierrez. Gabe, good morning to you. 
Savannah, good morning. A very emotional day expected here on Capitol Hill. That hearing getting underway right now, and that fourth grader set to deliver a pre-recorded message. This all comes as a bipartisan group of senators tries to hammer out a deal on new gun legislation, and one of Hollywood's biggest stars calls for change. This morning, fourth grader Mia Cerillo bringing the heart-wrenching toll of the Uvalde massacre directly to Congress. Cerillo covered herself in blood and played dead to survive the Uvalde massacre. She's testifying today along with families of victims and survivors of the Buffalo and Uvalde shootings. Gun access is uh, certainly a driver of, of this violence. It comes as the drumbeat for change is getting louder. We need responsible gun ownership. The White House getting a high-profile boost in its push for new gun legislation from actor and Uvalde native Matthew McConaughey. An emotional McConaughey and his wife, Camila Alves McConaughey, grimly highlighting a replica of a pair of green sneakers with a hand-drawn heart, worn by one of the Uvalde Massacre's young victims, 10-year-old Maite Rodriguez. These are the same green converse on her feet that turned out to be the only clear evidence that could identify her after the shooting. How about that? McConaughey pleading for compromise. Can both sides see beyond the political problem at hand and admit that we have a life preservation problem on our hands? Bipartisan negotiators now say a gun deal could be reached this week. The American people are looking for progress right now. Negotiators are focusing on stricter background checks, incentivizing states to pass red flag laws, and more money for mental health and school security. While Democrats don't appear to have the votes to raise the minimum age to buy AR-15-style rifles, Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell is privately telling colleagues he's now open to it, according to sources familiar with the matter. Later on Monday, McConaughey saying that after speaking with Uvalde victims personally, he feels that this time is different. The main thing that we got out of it was every single family that lost a loved one or a child said, you know what, I just want some way for the loss of my loved one's life to matter. The House is expected to vote on a package of new gun bills this afternoon, but again, this is all really hinging on the Senate. It is all very fluid, and we're now hearing negotiations could stretch into next week, Savannah. All right, Gabe, thank you. We want to turn to NBC's senior Washington correspondent, Hallie Jackson. Hallie, these uh, hearings today are expected to be emotional. We've yeah. seen emotion many, many times mm -hmm. after massacres like this one. Will it move the needle? That seems to be the question. We just don't know yet, Savannah. It is the question. We do know that the hearing today is going to be intense. Gabe mentioned, you mentioned Mia Cerillo, that fourth grader. That is going to be incredibly emotional. But we're also going to hear from, for example, the town of Uvalde's only pediatrician who has talked about the horror of treating these kids after that massacre. You're going to hear from parents of survivors and victims from both Buffalo and Uvalde as well. Democrats leading the, the committee, leading this hearing, say they want to turn anger into action. The question, of course, Savannah, is, okay, well, what does that action actually look like? Well, let's talk about that very thing, what's in, what's out. It seems the most controversial provision that's being debated is whether to raise the age limit from 18 to 21 for an assault rifle like the one the 18-year-old used in Uvalde. What's the status of that and other reforms? 
So I would say some skepticism potentially on that piece, although, Savannah, it is kind of really interesting here. You're not going to see something really sweeping, right, like the assault weapons ban that President Biden suggested in his speech last week. But this issue of raising the age limit, you have the new piece of information we got from sources close to Senator Mitch McConnell that he is privately telling colleagues he would back that. But he's not publicly lobbying for that, Savannah. It's not clear that enough other Republicans would follow McConnell's lead, potentially, with several senators suggesting to us it doesn't really seem like likely to end up in a final deal. You know, Matthew McConaughey suggested that this time maybe feels different, and I think there's a lot of people across the country who might be going, yeah, this does feel different. Should we be feeling more optimistic? And here's the reality check um, based on the reporting that we have from Capitol Hill. Yes, talks are active and concrete and ongoing. Yes, those talks have been blessed by the top Democrat and the top Republican in the Senate. On the other hand, we would be remiss not to talk about the context of history here in the last decade since Sandy Hook. And you know this, Savannah, after that massacre, after, for example, the mass shooting in Las Vegas, after the shootings in El Paso and Dayton, you heard calls on both sides of the aisle for change. You heard that momentum after those shootings, but ultimately, no new laws were ever passed. So that is the sort of backdrop to this moment that we're in now. We should know more by the end of the week, at least clarity on where these talks stand, even if it's not like a final deal wrapped up in a bow and ready for a vote. Yeah, there were talks before those talks collapsed. We'll see if that is the same fate this time. Hallie, stay on it. Appreciate it. Thank you. Now to the family budgeting nightmare that's showing no signs of letting up. We're speaking, of course, of soaring gas prices. The national average surged even higher overnight. Now, guys, it's on the doorstep of $5 a gallon. And with diesel climbing at an even faster clip, it's not only impacting trucking, but it's trickling down to consumers as well. NBC Sam Brock has been on this story all week for us. Hey, Sam, good morning. Yeah, Hoda, good morning. That's right. And the question for months has been, will there be a breaking point? How expensive does gas need to get to affect driver behavior? But Hoda, this morning, it appears like we are awfully close to finding out with national gas prices hovering just underneath $5 a gallon. And not surprisingly, it is hitting lower and middle class families the hardest. Record gas prices are being felt across the entire country. But California's pace setting 6.39 a gallon average could soon become America's reality with prices creeping up coast to coast. John Bonilla makes engineering house calls for a living. If you didn't have a corporate car to charge the gas on, how destructive would these prices be for you? I, I'm not sure that I, I would be able to, to work every day. Couldn't afford it. Last Friday, eight states sat above $5 a gallon on average. This morning, that's jumped to 16 states plus D.C., and the economic jolts is not felt equally. A new Bank of America report found household credit card spending for fuel surged to 7.8% by the end of May, but a whopping 9.5% for families making under $50,000. They call it inflation, but somebody's, somebody's pocket is getting inflated. We're the ones hurting down here, you know, the poor people, the, the working class. I mean, I work minimum wage job, so pretty much most of my paycheck goes to paying for my gas. Americans rocked by a double whammy, higher prices at the pump and in stores. Companies like Walmart and Target reporting disappointing first quarter earnings as many shoppers prioritize gas and groceries over home appliances and clothes. And diesel fuel has outpaced regular gas by a wide margin. It always comes out of the owner-operator's pocket. <laughs> fuel, maintenance, everything else. Tamim Shanab owns three 18-wheelers and transports frozen food and produce. He says he's spending seven or $800 more a week on gas 
and like many smaller truck operations, has seen employees flee. Because I can't afford to pay them what I used to pay, you know, in the past. The fallout from fuel touching nearly every corner of the economy. And according to a recent AAA survey, 75% of commuters said once gas gets to $5 a gallon, that's when they're going to stop driving. It appears, Hoda, we're going to be hitting that mark in just days. Back to you. All right, Sam Brock for us there in Coral Gables. Sam, thank you. Now to overnight results from a high-profile recall election. Residents in San Francisco voting overwhelmingly to oust the city's progressive district attorney after a heated campaign that put crime, police reform, and public safety in the spotlight. NBC's Jacob Ward is in San Francisco with the election results. Jake, good morning. Savannah, good morning. San Francisco has seen all sorts of cutting-edge criminal justice reforms under its progressive prosecutor, Chesa Boudin. But now, after an expensive recall effort and rising crime in this city and across the nation, voters here have tossed him out of a job, and the nation is watching. The progressive reforms that helped elect San Francisco's District Attorney Chase Boudin in 2019 may have caused those same voters to toss him out of office last night. People are right to be frustrated. There's so much room for improvement. People should hold all of us to a higher standard. Boudin won office promising to fight inequality in the justice system, with alternatives to prison pushing against what he calls mass incarceration. The successful recall vote halfway into his four-year term was not a surprise. Polls leading up to the election showed voters were driven by the perception of a city in decline. Homelessness and drug addiction are rampant, and crime is up. Homicides and assaults are up 11% so far this year. There's been a wave of recent hate crimes, and auto thefts touch every neighborhood. A lot of progressives are so wed to what they believe in that they won't listen to what actual people are telling them. Lifelong liberal Adam Westnick is one of them. I was, uh, my God, I've been robbed on Mission Street. I was jumped on 6th Street. The owner of this San Francisco sandwich shop says the DA's politics are no match for crime in his city. The ideology that's happening now is a little bit dangerous for the residents. Boudin says the recall is a political tactic. The right-wing billionaires outspent us three to one. They exploited an environment in which people are appropriately upset. And they created an electoral dynamic where we were literally shadow boxing. But for Wesnick, things feel out of control. The top cop has failed. With this recall, DAs in other cities nationwide are now on alert. Now, Savannah, supporters of Chase Boudin say that unwinding nearly 50 years of tough on crime traditions was never going to be easy or politically popular. But the voters that we spoke to here, even those who voted him into office on the strength of his progressive policies, say they simply felt he was not doing enough to fight crime in this town. Now, progressive DAs, of course, across the country, including those in Chicago and Los Angeles, facing possible recall efforts of their own, they'll be watching this closely. Absolutely, Jake. Thank you very much. 14 minutes past the hour. Okay, a lot of folks are planning some summer vacations, yeah. and they need to see this next story. Oh, and we've all run into yeah. this so far. Good morning, Hoda Savannah. Good morning to you as well. With the busy travel season in full swing right now, a lot of folks looking to get away by plane are running into a recurring problem. Those flight cancellations and major airlines are blaming what they call a pilot shortage. NBC's Tom Costello joins us with a closer look at how long this actually might go on. Tom, 
What's the uh, word? I've got bad news. Yeah, Craig, good morning to you. So uh, listen to this. At the start of the year, the airline industry wanted to hire 13,000 pilots. But over the last decade, the new supply of pilots is about five or 7,000. So the math just doesn't add up here. How could that affect your travel? Check before you go to make sure your flight hasn't been canceled, especially if you're going to a smaller regional airport. The escape of 2022 is out of the gate. You have a completely full flight today. But even if you booked your summer travel months ago, beware. The airlines are still struggling with staffing and schedules. American Airlines just announced it's grounded 100 regional jets because it doesn't have the pilots to fly them. We're hiring you know, 2,000 pilots this year. Getting them all through training is, is, is a, a, a real task. Virtually every airline has grounded some of its regional planes or cut their schedules. I'm deeply sorry. Alaska Airlines CEO saying last month it all came down to pilot staffing. Simply put, we had 63 fewer pilots than what we planned for when we built our schedule. The most affected airports, smaller cities serviced by the regional airlines that have lost pilots to the big carriers. There's just not enough pilots and that, it's not a quick fix. What happened? During the pandemic, many pilots took early retirement, and the airlines did not expect passengers to come surging back so quickly. Complicating the problem, pilots are required to retire when they're 65, regardless of their physical health. I think 65 is a new 50. Rich Seiler has been flying for 40 years, first with the Navy, then Delta. He had to retire earlier this year when he turned 65, even though he felt he could keep flying. We are trained, we are evaluated constantly. We, sh we should be able to come back in and, and do the job until we physically or mentally can't do it. Now, Congress may consider raising the retirement age, while Republic Airways wants to lower the flight hour and training requirements for new pilots. The big airlines and the unions are opposed. In the meantime, fewer pilots, fewer planes, and fewer seats could be a problem that lasts through Christmas and for years to come. It's not going to get fixed in the next 12 months, that's for sure. Uh, some CEOs at United are saying it's three to five years of this type of issues. Both the FAA and international regulators require pilots to retire at 65. So even if Congress were to change the retirement age, put it to 67, those pilots would still not be allowed to fly into Europe or Canada where 65 is the retirement age. By the way, one pilot union says there are plenty of pilots out there, but they may not be certified on the 737, the A320, the Embraer. So that creates a bottleneck, Craig. Yeah. Layers of problems. Okay, mm -hmm. Tom Costello for us. Tom, thank you. All right, let's lighten it up, shall we? How about a look at the weather, Mr. Roker? Well, weather's going to be a problem today too. Oh, no. No. <laughs> oh man, lighten it up. I, well, I wish we could, but look at this, Oklahoma City. That's a big airport. We're going to be looking at heavy showers, thunderstorms. We've got severe thunderstorm watches and warnings. We're also looking at Little Rock, on into St. Louis, another hub there. That's going to be looking at some problems. And Atlanta, there's heavy thunderstorms starting to push toward there. We've got 31 million people at risk today for severe weather wind gust up to 60 miles per hour can't rule out a tornado or two and tomorrow the planes again under the gun with strong storms possible wind gust of 75 miles per hour tornadoes possible from North Platte Wichita Oklahoma City on into Topeka low pressure system coming out of the plains going to bring some showers also along this front into the mid-Atlantic states New England afternoon storms then as we move on into tomorrow heavy rains across the northeast early a severe risk from Colorado to Kansas 
Heavy rain stretching all the way down into Little Rock. We're looking at locally four inches of rain in here in the northeast through Friday. Wet weather from Bangor, New York City, all the way down to Washington, D.C. And that's your latest weather. Next half hour, scorching temperatures through the south into the southwest. Mm, tell my mom. Thank okay. Down there in Tucson. All right, Al, thank you. Just ahead, Johnny Depp's legal team ready to speak out for the first time since that closely watched trial. How do they feel about that stunning verdict, the appeal battle that could lie ahead, and the intense spotlight on them throughout the case? We're going to sit down with them live right here. And then the astonishing results from one of the most promising cancer drug trials in history. Every single patient seemingly cured. The details and the hope it's offering millions. But first, this is Today on NBC. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun, and that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash today just go to indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast indeed.com slash today conditions apply need to hire you need indeed welcome back welcome back welcome back wow. 7 30 that's our girl blue getting wow. up close and personal with our crowd of course She's one of the breakout stars from Jurassic oh World movies, a franchise that's kept audiences thrilled for nearly 30 years. Craig went outside to visit with Unbutton Your Jacket. You must show. I'll show, folks. So yeah, I went I outside to play with the dinosaur. Yeah. The dinosaur got a little close. Dinosaur was being shot. Dinosaur was being shot. Was that dinosaur? Was that your Yes. Was that your Mixed coffee? Mixed with coffee. Was that yours? Uh, I was like, ah! Yeah. I was like, ah! Incredible. Was, Nothing says welcome to the Today Show like a giant dinosaur. I love it. In your By face. the way, Laura Dern, Jeff Goldblum, they'll be here. They're going to join our fun the next hour, 30 years after the original. Hopefully, back. they're more polite than yeah. the dinosaur. Hopefully, brushed his teeth. Yeah. <laughs> right in their face. Guys, we'll start with breaking news. Former Olympic gymnasts, including Simone Biles, are among dozens of assault victims who are seeking more than $1 billion from the FBI for failing to stop Dr. Larry Nasser. The majority of the claimants say Nasser abused them after his abuse was reported to the FBI in 2015. They say the agency failed to act 
leaving Nassar free to continue to target young women and girls for more than a year. The Justice Department announced last month the FBI agents involved would not face criminal charges. Overseas now, a car drove into a crowd of people in Berlin this morning, killing at least one person, a dozen more hurt. Officials say some of the injuries are serious. It happened at a popular shopping district west of its capital. It's still unknown whether it was an accident or a deliberate act, but police have detained the driver. We've got some news this morning on the vaccine front. Moderna says a redesigned version of its COVID-19 booster shot appears to provide stronger protection against the Omicron variant than its current vaccine. The booster is designed to target both Omicron and the original coronavirus strain in a single shot. The company says trial results led to an eight-fold increase in neutralizing antibody levels. Moderna says it plans to submit the data to the FDA in the coming weeks with the hope that the new shot could be available late this summer. Meanwhile, it has been one week since the Virginia jury sided with Johnny Depp in his defamation battle with Amber Heard. And this morning, his legal team is joining us live to talk about the case, its outcome, and the worldwide attention it's received. We will talk to the lawyers in just a moment, but first, a look back at how this high profile case unfolded. A trial watched by millions around the world, ending in a stunning verdict in favor of Johnny Depp. Last week, a jury found that Depp's ex-wife, Amber Heard, had defamed him in a 2018 Washington Post op-ed. She's been ordered to pay more than $10 million in damages. Heard, who plans to appeal, won just one of three claims in her counter-lawsuit against Depp and was awarded $2 million in damages. We are grateful, so grateful. Depp's supporters cheering the verdict and Depp's lawyers, Camille Vasquez and Benjamin Chu, who became public figures in their own right during the trial. Legions of viewers on YouTube and social media hanging on every word and gesture. Ms. Heard has told you that she has mountains of evidence of abuse, but there are no medical records. Ms. Heard lies. She lies all the time. Heard's team has alleged a coordinated social media campaign by Depp's side, turning public opinion and ultimately the jury against her. They went home every night. They have families. The families are on social media. We had a 10-day break in the middle because of the judicial conference. There's no way they couldn't have been influenced by it. A charge that Depp's team denies, saying the outpouring of support for the actor is nothing but authentic. Depp thanked those supporters yesterday in his first post on a newly created TikTok account, writing, we did the right thing together, all because you cared. And joining us now are Johnny Depp's lawyers, Camille Vasquez and Benjamin Chu. And a quick disclosure, my husband has done consulting work for the Depp legal team, but not in connection with this interview. So with that aside, let me ask you, did you speak to your client right after the verdict? What was his reaction in the moment? I think just an overwhelming sense of relief. I was speaking with another friend of ours, a mutual friend of Johnny's and ours, and he said, I haven't seen Johnny smile like that in six years. The, the weight of the world is off of his shoulders. He's as, got his life back. As you well know, the law does not favor a plaintiff like Johnny Depp in, in, in a defamation case like this. The burden is very high, the threshold is high, and he crossed it. Frankly speaking, were you stunned at this victory, Ben? Well, we had ultimate confidence in Johnny and the jury and the facts of this case, and you can only hope that the jury will see it. And in this case, they did, and the verdict was overwhelmingly 
in his favor. I should mention the jury did find Mr. Depp responsible for defamation for one of the statements made by his lawyer. It accused her essentially of staging a scene in furtherance of an abuse hoax. How do you square that finding with the rest of the verdict, Camille? I think it's just the verdict is overwhelmingly positive for Johnny. And it was unanimous. There were seven people that decided he was defamed. Amber Heard's attorney was right here the day after the verdict, and she said the jury had not been permitted to see certain evidence that would have bolstered and verified Amber Heard's claims of abuse, in particular therapist notes. What is your response to that? And was there evidence that was suppressed for a valid legal reason that might have made a difference? I, I think that was very disappointing to hear that and to hear her impugn the character of the jury and uh, the evidence came in that should come in, came, come in and the, the judge was very fair to both sides. In particular, she cites the UK judgment. As we all know, Johnny Depp sued The Sun, a newspaper in the United Kingdom. He lost that case. The judge finding that claims by the newspaper that he was a wife beater were substantially true. Now, Amber Heard's lawyers say that judgment should have come into this court case. What say you? It was a different process, right? Um, and also, Mr. Depp and Ms. Heard in this case were the parties. They had different disclosure obligations. So um, we disagree. The overwhelming evidence that was presented in this case in Virginia far exceeded what was presented in the UK. And we believe the jury got it right. As you know, this trial was very closely watched. Social media certainly took off in a way that uh, we've seen high-profile trials before, but this is the social media age. Do you believe the jurors saw any of that, were swayed by any of that? No, I don't think there's any reason to believe that the jurors violated their oath. And, that, and again, that suggestion was, was disappointing to hear. Yeah, I mean, Amber Heard's lawyer said so. She said it would have been unavoidable because it's on TikTok, it's on social media. I mean, in the, in the old days, you'd, you'd tell the jury before they went out, don't read newspapers, don't watch the evening news. Now it's everywhere. It is everywhere, but at the same time, they were admonished every single night. And uh, they had a tremendous amount of respect, I think, for the court and the process, and they were doing the best that they could. Yeah. Support for Johnny Depp online was exponentially greater than for Amber Heard. Just one example on TikTok, the Justice for Amber Heard hashtag has 27 million views. Justice for Johnny Depp, 20 billion. Heard's attorneys have suggested that perhaps this is because of an orchestrated campaign on behalf of Johnny Depp. Do you know anything about an online campaign uh, on behalf of Johnny Depp? That is utterly baseless. In fact, very early in the case, uh, the prior Chief Judge, Chief Judge White had thrown out uh, account in the counterclaims that related to that. It was absolutely absurd and baseless. And, and you know for a fact that neither he nor his agents nor anyone tried to, in some way, pay for or otherwise encourage this kind of social Categorically media activity. False. Categorically, Categorically false. false. Why do you think the jury didn't believe her? Because when you look at the verdict, it really comes down to that. The issue was, is what she's saying true or false? And by their verdict, they said, it's false. Well, my sense is that it had a lot to do with accountability, that Johnny owned his issues. He was very candid about his alcohol and drug issues. He was candid about some unfortunate text that he wrote. And I think it was a sharp contrast to Ms. Heard, who didn't seem, or at least the jury may have perceived, that she didn't take accountability for anything. As you know, this has been closely watched. And in the Me Too uh, context, some people have wondered whether there is a larger resonance to this trial, whether it sends a message. Do you see any larger message beyond the case you tried? No. 
I mean, frankly, we don't. Uh, we're, we're here to talk about the case that we tried, right? Um, we encourage all victims to come forward, have their day in court, which is exactly what happened in this case. Do you feel confident in your appeal? Ms. Heard does intend to appeal. We feel very confident that there are no errors that would justify any kind of successful appeal. And then finally, I have to ask you, not since OJ, perhaps, has the trial been so closely watched and the lawyers become famous people in their own right. What has that been like for you, particularly you, Camille? I, I think I saw someone on social media get a tattoo of your face on their body, which is weird. <laughs> Um, it's been overwhelming um, and surreal, but to the extent that I can encourage young women to stay in school and maybe inspire them to pursue a legal career, then it's all worth it. Well, I understand you got a promotion yesterday to partner. <laughs> well deserved. I was going to say, about time, other partner, right? Camille Vasquez, Ben Chu. <laughs> Just saying. Uh, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Guys, over to you. All right, Savannah, thanks. Coming up next, a cancer, a drug trial, first offering hope to millions, all patients involved seemingly cured. We're going to talk about those unprecedented results and what they could lead to with Dr. Natalie Nizar. Also, we're going to tell you about a big change that you're going to notice in figure skating at the next Winter Olympics. It's a big deal. But first, these messages. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Well, we are back 744 this morning with In-Depth Today and some very hopeful news for the tens of thousands of Americans who are diagnosed every year with rectal cancer. It's one of the most lethal kinds. Well, in a new study, an immunotherapy drug delivered unheard of results. Every single patient involved in this trial seemingly cured. Yeah, that headline just grabbed us. NBC medical contributor Dr. Natalie Azar joins us with what we need to know. Dr. Azar, when I saw this headline, I was like, this is a miracle. This is what we've been waiting right. for. There, it's a small group, just right. 12 people, but what does this particular study tell you? I know, Hoda. I'm so happy to be reporting this yeah. this morning. So <clears throat> this was immunotherapy that is used in uh, what's called locally advanced rectal cancer. So that's stage two or stage three. That means it's gone to the lymph nodes, but it hasn't metastasized. And the standard of care for this kind of cancer usually involves chemotherapy, radiation, and then surgery, which, as you can imagine, leaves people with significant disability. Mm -hmm. And only about 25% of those folks will, will have a, a clinical remission. With this immunotherapy, the patients that they study, they want to enroll 30, they've enrolled 16, we have data on 12. All 12 of them experienced a complete clinical remission after six months. It's astonishing. I know, and it's like, you know, you almost want to say that again, because yes, it's a small number, but that's 100%. Yeah. And you know, the, the researchers involved in this trial have said, 
what makes this so different? Yeah. Because not all immunotherapy is this dramatically successful. Is there something about the gut microbiome? Like, you know, they're sort of right. speculating as to why. But nonetheless, this is what happened. It's important to note that immunotherapy, of course, does not work for every sure. person with rectal cancer. Only about 5 to 10% of people with rectal cancer have that right mutation that oh. this particular drug targeted. But nonetheless, for the folks who experience this kind of, uh, you know, treatment response, it is mm -hmm. life-changing. I mean, a lot of folks are, are watching and listening and, and wondering, what could this mean yes. for other types of cancer, other right. treatments. And so this is what is so special and unique about immunotherapy is that it's not specific to an organ. Mm. It's specific to this mutation that wow. multiple different cancers actually have. So it was used in rectal cancer, but it's being studied in a variety of other cancers. I think we have a graphic for our viewers. It can be used in gastrointestinal cancers, mm -hmm. endometrial cancer, breast, prostate, bladder, thyroid. Yeah. And these researchers are also enrolling folks with early pancreatic cancer, which we know, of course, is traditionally very well, challenging to treat. We know you're going to keep your eye on this one, That's Dr. Azar. Good news. Yeah. We're going to have more in the third yeah. hour. Yeah, thank as well. You. So we'll right. talk about some more. Thank you, Natalie. Let us switch gears. Al, what are you looking at? Well, we are looking at plenty of sunshine out west where they could use some rain, obviously. Record highs, though, continue down through Texas. Sunshine and mild through the northern plains. We are looking at record highs down through Texas. Severe storms in the mid-Mississippi, Ohio River valleys, all the way into the mid-Atlantic and southeastern states. Beautiful but humid today here in the northeast in New England. And that is your latest weather, guys. All right, Al. Thank you. Coming up next, a historic decision impact the worlds of figure skating and the Winter Olympics, what officials are now doing to protect the sport's youngest stars right after this. Falls on her landing. She is just 15 years old. Something we've never seen from Camila Valieva. We're back with uh, Chanel, and you may remember this moment from the Winter Olympics earlier this year, that 15-year-old Russian skater breaking down in tears at the end of her routine. So many people thinking... It's too young. It's just, yeah. We all felt it in that moment. It came amid the controversy, of course, that surrounded her failed drug test and galvanized calls to address the pressures facing young athletes. Well, now we have an update this morning. The International Skating Union is taking action, raising the minimum age for competitors from 15 to 17. Now, this is getting mixed reaction. Here, here. You know, I remember. Is it, is it mixed? Well, for some people, because there are some young people who have oh. trained and they think now yeah. that 15, they're ready, I, I, right? I, I, and now the bar moves. The thing that bothered me so much about about her was watching her coaches yeah. kind of wag their finger at her when yes. she was already on her knees. Yes. She's already down. I felt like that was the thing I think because right. I think some 15-year-olds can probably handle it with support. I think you're right. Well, we'll continue to talk yeah. about it. The goal is also to protect them from injuries and their yeah. mental yeah. health. And curious what Tara Lipinski thinks. She was just... Oh, oh that's, yeah. right. that's right. That's right. Yeah. All right. Well, just ahead, batter up on Popstar. We have your first look at a new League of Their Own series. Yeah. Oh. Plus legendary actors Jeff Goldblum, Laura Dern. They're going to join us live to talk about the grand finale to the Jurassic World franchise 30 years after the first one. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com.